Gisela Hausman had a unique perspective on Amazon when she started a job in 2019 working on the front lines of one of the company's delivery hubs in South Carolina. A native of Vienna, Austria, she had years of experience as a logistics professional. She'd learned from the ground up at FedEx and then worked for a major ocean freight shipping company. I'd been following Amazon since 1997, and I also paid specific attention to everything that was written about their logistics division for the mere fact that I worked in logistics, and I just thought this was interesting. She had also been following Amazon closely for many years as an independent author using its platforms to publish books. I saw them doing the things that we barely dreamed about because this was so amazing that nobody even hoped that it could happen. And then Bezos did it. So he was a god in my eyes. I call him the new Gutenberg. He reinvented printing and publishing and everything. And then an Amazon delivery station opened in her town. So at 58 years old, Hausman, a widowed mother of two, decided to apply for a job and the experience at the Amazon delivery station opened her eyes. And reading about 500 articles or whatever, I came to misconceptions. The worst of them being, Amazon is this highly efficient organization. They are so insanely efficient that their people don't even have time to go to the bathroom. As soon as I started working at Amazon, I realized that both of these things were wrong. Everybody can go whenever they need to go. And on top of that, Amazon is unfortunately not that efficient. Coming up, we will find out what this Amazon fan and logistics professional learned during her time working in the company's delivery business. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and this is Day 2, our podcast about everything Amazon. Gisela Hausman is the author of Inside Amazon, My Story, in the book, she documents her personal experiences as an author publishing on Amazon's Kindle ebook and CreateSpace self-publishing platforms, becoming an expert in Amazon's review platform, learning the shipping industry from the ground up at FedEx, working for a major ocean freight shipping company, and ultimately going to work as an employee at an Amazon delivery station in her local community in South Carolina, hoping to work her way up in the company's logistics division. She started the part-time job in 2019. She chose the night shift, and she took a job as a stower, putting boxes and envelopes in large bags so they could be taken out for delivery. So going to the warehouse wasn't necessarily a problem. I'm a widow. I raised my two kids alone for, for, for 12 years, so I'm used to working hard. If the goal, whatever it is, 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 is something that I want, then I work hard. It's, it's not a problem. My bigger problem was that they didn't do what the company said about themselves. She says she had not planned to write a book when she started the job. Her main objective was to work her way up in the logistics division of a company that she admires. But she changed her mind after realizing that her firsthand experience, combined with her background, could provide some unique insights. They lack an excellent training program, and they also lack quality control. Now, in other companies, this may be less important, but Amazon has two-day delivery. So if at any of their warehouses on one day three people leave, these three people are supposed to move 6,000 packages. Now, you put in three new ones, 
theoretically, these people are supposed to hit the ground running. That means excellent training. And it also means quality control, somebody going around and identifying people who might need extra training. And that was what I couldn't find. However, whenever I opened the newspaper, I read about bathrooms and all that kind of thing. So I basically wanted to correct this vision that the public has and wanted to show what the delivery drivers that deliver the goods to their house really experience. And I also felt that as a transportation professional, I could maybe shed light on why this is happening and what is happening. And also, and I made a major factor out of it, featuring in my book, what could be done about it. And so that's the purpose of my book. I also wanted to help Amazon and tell him what I knew. It's interesting. You came up with some very practical solutions during your time at Amazon. And we should say you worked there for about 468 days, more than a year, and then you decided you'd had enough and it was time to move on. But but during your time there, you would encounter very basic things and come up with your own solutions in some cases. In other cases, solutions that the company might be able to adopt more broadly in your facility or in its operations. What happened when you suggested those solutions, and we can get into some examples, to your managers? Nothing. <laughs> it was basically nothing. They always looked very interested and said, oh yeah, great, and all this and that, and I was waiting for something to happen. And the thing is, me being such a fan of Amazon and being such an early admirer and always knowing what they had done for the book publishing industry, I was always thinking that my ideas were not good enough. So I was constantly like working on my own improvement only to find out that apparently nobody was interested in making improvements. And I found this to be bewildering, to say the least. Right from the start, she was also surprised by something else. I started with three other people. We were led into a conference room. A learning ambassador who had been working there for seven months told us what to do. And the very first thing that I noticed was no best practices. How can this be? What do you mean? Well, I mean, the American business world works that they have best practices. They drill this into you. Step one is this. Step two is that. Step three is that. And it has to be done in order. And that's it. For instance, as an example, at FedEx, uh, when you picked up the phone, you were supposed to speak the specific text of the week. It was taped to the phone, and that was it. And the company went to the trouble that they had employees who sit somewhere else, pretended to be clients, <laughs> call the stores, and find out who there was. Secret callers. And if you picked up the phone and you didn't say it, then immediately you were identified and had a black dot on your resume. It was that simple. There was nothing of that nature at Amazon. So they didn't tell you, this is how you pick up a package, this is how you stow it, this is how you bag it? There was no physical action. Okay. And the thing was, like, one of my tricks, because I actually hit the, hit the stats every day. You hit your target numbers for volume of work. Yeah, I hit my target numbers. I started out, and the target rate was 300. I had 250 in the first week. And it took me two and a half months to get from 250 to 300. And that was possibly because I always had to work with people who did stuff they weren't supposed to do. So what were your targets? What did you have to do? And, and how did you go about reaching them? 
I saw immediately that Pika, which is one of the activities where you basically take packages from a conveyor, was too boring for me. So I wanted to go and be a stower. And stores uh, is an activity that one can best describe with, it's like a three-dimensional Tetris. In Tetris, you're supposed to stow blocks and you're supposed to stow them without leaving any spaces. And as soon as you stow them really tight, you lose your rows and you advance. If, however, you leave too many spaces, immediately the system builds up and you get kicked out. So this was like a, a similar system. And I was like, oh my God, they play me for paying Tetris. That's like the cool. So you're taking packages, putting them into bags in, in a way that fits together. And the company measured your quality of work by how many packages you moved. And the number to hit was 300 per hour. Usually at the beginning of the workday when you were fresh, you could hit more than at the end of the day when you were tired. So I usually aim for getting a 550 in the first hour wow. because they give me enough cushion to work down through the day. But I started out on hitting 250 right away. And then it took me two and a half months to hit the 300. And that was basically learning to work with everybody else because they didn't do best practices. In best practices, you do the same thing and everybody does the same thing and people run around and look if everybody is doing the same thing because if not, the best practices don't work. And Amazon didn't have that. For me, a world broke down. I fell apart. How can this be that they don't have best practices because they had so many goals to hit for the customer. It has to be there in two days and it has to be this and that and that has to be properly delivered and all that, that the only way how I could see that this goal could be achieved was if everybody worked best practices. So you give some good examples in the book, and it's like things like where you want to place the bag a certain way and you want to place the envelopes in a certain place, and you figured this out for yourself on your own, and in part because you had a bit of a height advantage, you write, over some of the other folks who might have been shorter, you were able to do things in such a way that you were more efficient than them. That's right. Of course, this is kind of like where everything falls together. And I think that Amazon, purposely or not purposely, overstretches the bow. They have no process of identifying people who care. And whenever I hear unions talking about Amazon workers, I always am under the impression that they talk about one worker. That is not so. At a company, when you have 750,000 people working, there is no one worker. There is young students who want to make money. There is moms who say, oh, if I can work at night, then I can sleep in the morning while my kid is in school. And then in the afternoon, I can play with my kid. And so there's like all kinds of people who have different goals. And of course, there's also a couple of lazy people who say, man, this is the richest company in the world. Let me see how much you can make. And there are also transportation professionals who say, hey, this is a cool company. I want to get ahead with them. And there is no identification to sort these people into groups. And if I want to say so, now that the company has come out with a new leadership principle, they want to be in the, the earth's best employer. If they don't develop the system, they're going to fail. Because when you have 750,000 people, there is no best for one. All these people have different goals, aspirations, whatever. And you got to sort them into groups to say, 
These are the people that I'm advancing. These are the solid people I can count on. I better give them a pay raise every three months so they stay with me because I know this is the person that comes in every day and I can count on them. So they have to completely reform that process. But can Amazon really become Earth's best employer? Houseman says yes, and she has some ideas about how the company could make it happen. That's next. Gisela Hausman, the Amazon-loving author turned logistics professional turned warehouse worker, still has faith that the company can live up to its new leadership principle of striving to be Earth's best employer. A couple of people have said to me, well, ha, 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 Amazon wants to be the best employer. But I have confidence in them. I'm a history buff. Jeff Bezos has reformed half a dozen industries. What Bezos did for the book publishing industry cannot be described in words. I've been publishing since 1988. He literally turned the industry upside down and made it for the better. The book industry that was going on was actually existing since, uh, uh, since Gutenberg. So, I mean, he really reshaped 500 years of industry in less than five years. Meanwhile, our government can raise the minimum wage by 10 years. Bezos also made two-day delivery standard in the United States and worldwide. And I say again, meanwhile, our politicians can raise the minimum wage. So, yeah, I am 100% sure that Amazon can do it. The question is, will they and do they want to? They said they will. Will they? We'll see. But I believe they can. That's the important part. I don't believe that the government can, but I believe that Amazon can do it. You're talking here, as you said, about Amazon's new leadership principle. It's one of two new leadership principles that they've added now that Andy Jassy is CEO. It actually happened in the final days of Jeff Bezos' tenure as CEO, but it's strive to be Earth's best employer. And, and here's what it says. Leaders work every day to create a safer, more productive, higher performing, more diverse, and more just work environment. They lead with empathy, have fun at work, and make it easy for others to have fun. Leaders ask themselves, are my fellow employees growing? Are they empowered? Are they ready for what's next? Leaders have a vision for and commitment to their employees' personal success, whether that be at Amazon or elsewhere. What do you think of that aspiration? Are they on the right track? Well, they have to. At some point, especially people who hope to make a career with the company, turn around and say, well, this is the world we live in. That's fine, right? And if I have talents, I can go somewhere else too. Amazon needs to learn to see this human capital. They need to say, okay, not everybody in here wants to make a career. Not everybody sees themselves in five years with the company and therefore wants to contribute on that level. But we need to identify the people who do because if they need now 750,000 people to deliver the Christmas gifts from 2021 and they hope to grow and deliver, I don't know how many Christmas gifts in 2022 and they need 890,000 employees, they got to come from somewhere. So the more bridges they break or the more they disillusion people, it doesn't help them. They've got to up their game. Houseman sees a disconnect between Amazon's leadership principles and this part of its business. They were so frustrating in their way of not living up 
to what they say about themselves. It's not me who said invent and simplify. It's Jeff Bezos who said invent and simplify. So I'm thinking if they have an employee who tells them, hey, guess what? I know they ought to do something about it. Instead, they do never do anything. And then the employee walks out and takes their secret with them. And that's actually what happened. I took it with me. Well, that really gets to one of the bigger picture takeaways I had from your book. And that is, in my experience, at least, the leadership principles at Amazon are closely followed and it goes much beyond lip service at corporate headquarters. And of course, I'm here in Seattle and I'm talking with folks who, uh, of course, there's tens of thousands of Amazonians here. And, and even in informal conversations with people I know who work there, those leadership principles in those offices are like the Bible. I did not sense that it was the same in the logistics realm based on your account of your experience. Am I right? That's right. So Amazon has that great slogan, work hard, have fun, make history. What would that mean for a warehouse worker? Work hard by moving more 50-pound packages than everybody else? Have more fun by moving more 50-pound packages than everybody else? Or make history? That is just inappropriate. And the thing is, people usually look, just try to ignore it. But whenever they're upset about something, they come out with and say, well, there you go. He said, have fun living 50-pound packages. <laughs> so I don't think that Amazon is doing themselves a favor by taking these things over. They should come up, model their own plan, see the warehouses, specifically different. It's a service industry. There's nothing creative about it. And if they find somebody who has creative idea, by God, take this person aboard instead of sending them away. Well, that really gets to another issue, and it relates to another recent episode of the Day 2 podcast that we had. We spoke with Karen Weiss, the New York Times reporter, and that New York Times investigation found that Amazon executives purposely created turnover among its fulfillment and distribution workers, limited their upward mobility and tenure, with the implication that a more transient and temporary frontline workforce could cause less trouble for the company. Reflecting on your own experience, do you think you were running up against intentionally created barriers, not against yourself specifically, but against that section of the workforce based on those principles? Well, I would like to say two things. Even though when it comes to Amazon, wages are always in discussions. I've met people who said they're underpaying us. And I've met people that said, hey, this is great. I'm making so much money here. So there is a range of opinions and it all depends on one of 750,000 people what kind of an opinion they have. However, when it comes to HR, everybody is one, it's in the, echoes one voice. I've never heard anybody say anything good about HR. Mm -hmm. And I think they're making substantial mistakes. Yes, I felt age discriminated. Was I really age discriminated? I don't know. Was it the manager who thought I was going to snitch his job? Well, that would be Amazon HR's problem that they keep this manager because he ain't solving the job. He's hindering the next person who could solve the job to guys up. That's a serious Amazon problem. That's what my dad used to say about the Austrian government in the 70s. So, I mean, Amazon should be way beyond that. However, the one essential mistake that they make, and I think that HR should know that is, it is no doubt in my mind they are promoting young college grads right out of college to be managers, and they're overlooking seasoned employees. 
And I'm not talking about myself. Of course, I chatted with a lot of people and the ones who cared always congregated together. So I know there were two other transportation specialists there at the same time than I was. And they also hoped to get advanced and none of them got advanced. So this is, and they were men. So this was not a gender problem or whatever. So this is a universal problem. So I was on HR for those young employees. Okay. I find it questionable to put a 23-year-old in charge of 100 people, but be this as it may, here is another statistics that obviously they are not looking at. The the Bureau of Labor Statistics is 100% clear about this number. The age group of 25 to 34-year-olds works only 2.8 years and then changes jobs. So that means Amazon takes in this 23-year-old Within the warehouse, probably five to 10 people say, okay, this is what we needed and leave. Usually the more experienced ones. They teach this 23-year-old now everything and the company invests into them. And then 2.8 years later, this person walks out and Amazon actually lost two groups of people, the experienced and the ones they trained. So I'm not sure why they are doing this, but it seems to me that it's a mistake. This is interesting in part because, of course, we're talking about your lived experience. And obviously, the sample that we're talking about is your workplace where you were. And there may be different circumstances elsewhere. And I happen to know anecdotally, again, this is one other (laughs) data point, but I know of a more senior manager in a delivery station actually happens to be in the town where I grew up in California. And he was hired by Amazon in on a management position. He did not start rank and file. And I wonder if you had started in a management position there instead, if your experience might've been different. In other words, I have no idea. I mean, it could also be that somebody said, Jesus, this woman knows something. (laughs) Let's keep out of there. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying this way or that way. What I'm saying is I saw those 23 year olds. I was not under the impression that they were the best choice. In fact, I would have known among the existing stuff five people that would have been better. She says the company missed a big opportunity to send a message during the pandemic about the value of its workers and of its prime membership. If they would have given the frontline workers in December or make it November 2020 said, okay, we're going to give you a free prime membership. Every newspaper in the United States would have said, Jeff Bezos shows up, gives the workers free prime membership. This is the greatest ever. And look at that. The workers would have run back into their communities and said, guess what we got? And they were the ones that were moving the packages anyway. So this was a free image campaign that they literally layer just threw out the window or didn't think about it or what have you. Meanwhile, they are financing ads. So I know this is one of the more interesting suggestions that you make in the book, this idea of Amazon building goodwill with its workers and then also turning them into ambassadors for the company by giving them prime memberships. If at the point of the COVID crisis, Amazon would have said, we're giving these valuable people, these essential workers, the people who saved American lives, this gift, the free prime membership, as long as they work, then they would have said, this is valuable because this is what we give to the people who saved America, right? So did you suggest this internally? No, because at that point, I was already so frustrated (laughs) that I had had it. Is there any evidence that the company has considered and rejected it? 
Well, if they didn't, they they make a huge mistake. Like you said, I used to work for FedEx, yeah. and uh, uh, when I worked for FedEx, every employee had eighty percent off on FedEx services. So my family lives overseas at the time I ship my FedEx shipments. FedEx, my my letters, FedEx. First time I sent my aunt a letter, she's like, are you out of your mind? I said, I'm paying less than 10 bucks for this. And she's like, oh my God, this is a great company. So that's been around for a while. If Amazon missed it, again, they have the wrong people working for them because this is it's not a new invention. It's an also one of the reasons why I can say it because the non-disclosure agreement cannot forbid me to talk about something that FedEx did at the beginning of the century, right? <laughs> So I get the sense after talking with you and reading your book that they just didn't know what to do with you, <laughs> that you here, you've got this experienced logistics person coming in very sharp, very observant, someone who's been literally studying different parts of Amazon's business for decades on the warehouse floor, making suggestions. I think they just might not have known what to do with you. But again, they are making it extremely complicated for people to approach them right. Do you think, based on your experience, that Amazon as a company has changed fundamentally at its core? Or has it just gotten so big that its ethos, its leadership principles, haven't extended to these far reaches of its operations out in the logistics and delivery system? I think that Amazon Logistics was always the stepchild of the company. It doesn't matter whether you hear Jeff Bezos talking, whether you read Brad Stone's book or anything else. It always comes out, the whole company focuses on, if I want to say, the sexy projects, like the ghost stores or the Kindle or Alexa or whatever. And the whole energy of the company runs into the system. And uh, Amazon Logistics is basically just a sideline. And unfortunately, the people they hire do not see that there is greatness in transportation too. Because there is something great in transportation. Uh, and um, I've been a longtime fan of logistics, and um, the, uh, it was General Omar Bradley, who was the only five-star general that was ever came from the Army. And he always said, amateurs study strategy, professionals study logistics. Logistics is a great thing, <laughs> but nobody appreciates it like that. Right. And I think this is what's missing. If they would put in somebody who loves logistics as much as General Omar Bradley or myself, it would get somewhere. Do you still love Amazon? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't forget. I'm one of those people who remember forever. I will never, ever let Amazon, so to speak, fall off my list of great companies. What they did for publishing and for book marketing and what have you. They literally knocked over 450 years or five, almost 500 years of bad developments. It doesn't matter what they do with their logistics division. I may not order from them or I may not this from them, but they will always be on my pedestal. And Jeff Bezos will be right there next to Gutenberg and it will always be great. But I would hope that they live up to what they say about themselves and what they can do. And if they finally realize how great logistics can be or put people in charge who see that, then they will get there. I have no doubt they will. 
Gisela Hausman is the author of Inside Amazon, My Story. Find a link to her book and her website in the show notes or at geekwire.com slash day two. Thank you for listening to GeekWire's Day 2 podcast about everything Amazon. You can find more episodes and related stories at geekwire.com slash day two, or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of Day 2.